Hi there, Nick here. Great to have you with us. Wherever you consume your racing podcasts, we're incredibly happy to have you, whether it's Spotify or Google or Apple or wherever. So many good ones. But have you tried the racing app? Because you can now get the Nick Luck Daily podcast every day on what is really your best resource and one-stop shop. Because not only can you get our podcast, you can also get some of the best advice from some of the top columnists in the game. Plus, and here's the good bit, you can get every race streamed and replayed absolutely free of charge. Free race replays, free live streaming, plus access to this podcast all in one place. And that one place is the racing app. Around 30,000 of you have figured this out already. I'd imagine once you've listened to this, there might be a few more. The Racing app. Download it now. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday the 21st of November. Sort of greyish morning in TW11, but not too offensive. Uh, later in this programme, I'll be talking to Aidan Coleman, who gives me a lovely interview reflecting on the performance of his old pal John Bon at uh, the weekend and looking forward to trying to get back on the horse in time for the Tingle Creek chase. Of course, uh, Aidan has been laid up for some months now with a very, very serious uh, knee injury, which had a, a number of um, complications to go with it. Also, in a moment, be talking to another man in the wars, but for very different reasons, Neil Callan. Uh, you want to stay tuned for this because he he's had a, a horrible accident. He's okay, um, and he gives us his thoughts on Paul Struthers' reappointment as chief executive of the Professional Jockeys Association. Uh, and later in the program, I'll be off to France with our friends at Weatherby's to a man who's had an incredible career breeding very good horses from limited ammunition and has recently thrown up unquestionable winner of the breeders cup uh, but first off where will one of the best steeplechasers in training shishkin make his seasonal debut will it be ascot on saturday or will it be haydock park for the betfair chase well i put in a call to nikki henderson who was galloping horses at newbury today uh, as part of the build-up to the coral trophy and uh, he just had time to tell me. He goes to Ascot, he said. I said, are you sure? He said, 99.9% sure he will run at Ascot. So he will take on Pick Dory, who will be the mount of Harry Cobden, part of his full book at Ascot. And as you heard yesterday, Daryl Jacob will be on Bet- Brave Man's Game in the Betfair Chase at Haydock Park. More of that in a moment. David Yates from the Daily Mirror is with me. Uh, Shishkin to Ascot, the scene of his drubbing of Pick Dory last year over the same distance, David. Is that the right um, opening salvo for Shishkin on route to the King George, do you think? I think it probably is. It's certainly it's certainly not the surprising option, is it? I think that uh, for all that the horse proved himself over three miles at Aintree last April uh, in the Aintree Bowl, not surprising that they, they aim for the the lesser target. I think that's fair to say um, at, at Ascot this weekend. It, it may be that... Uh, Pick Dory turns out to be a, a a similar profile of horse to Brave Man's Game. Uh, he's not there yet. I think it's um, yeah. I, I think it's probably what we expected. What do you make of yesterday and the fallout from the news that I I sort of passed off quite innocuously that Daryl Jacob would step in for the ride on Brave Man's Game because Harry Cobden was required to ask it, and I didn't think too much more of it really. I don't think there's more to this than meets the eye at the moment. Um, 
it'll be quite interesting when we get to the King George, particularly if Brave Man's game is is a, a couple of points shorter uh, than Pick Dorhy at Kempton on Boxing Day. There has to be a political aspect to this, Nick, doesn't there, with regard to uh, a trainer and owners. Johnny Delahaye, he's the principal owner um, with Paul Nichols, and therefore there might be an element of, of politics thinking, yeah. right, well, it's probably better if you go there. I mean, it's, he said that, didn't he, in the, in the quote yesterday. He said, Johnny's got 15 horses with me. He, he needs to be looked after. I, th- I, think, I think the other point that's worth making, uh, in addition to this, is that when I've spoken to Paul Nichols this winter about Brave Man's Game and Pick Dorhey, I, I think in, in his mind, those two horses are closer together than they are maybe in the, mind, the minds of many others. Obviously, he did get spanked uh pick Dorhey, not Paul Nichols, uh by Shishkin uh in the Ascot Chase. He then came out um and won the Melling Chase. But I think that in Paul Nichols' mind that those two horses are, are closer together uh than the rest of us think. Well, whether one of them can hold a candle to Shishkin at Ascot on Saturday remains to be seen. Whether either of them can in the King George Ditto. We have a new chief executive of the Professional Jockeys Association. Well, we have an old chief executive of the Professional Jockeys Association. They're one and the same person. Paul Struthers has returned to his job after a hiatus. He stepped down in December of 2021 to be replaced ultimately by Ian McMahon. Ian McMahon was released from his responsibilities in the mid part of this year. Struthers has been acting as a consultant for the beleaguered organisation ever since. And he's come roaring back to the acclaim of many senior members of the PJA, amongst them Neil Callan, who has been a vociferous critic of measures brought in by the British Horse Racing Authority, quite often using his social media platform to do so. Uh, But he has also been a great supporter and advocate of the skills of Paul Struthers. But I feel slightly guilty um, calling on Neil Callan's time now. Uh, the senior rider, because he is in the wars, not for the reasons you might expect. Neil, with a slight wince, I'm going to ask you what you've done to yourself. Yeah, hi, Nick. Um, I uh, Two days ago there, I was just up a ladder trying to take a branch off a tree, and when the branch fell, it flipped backwards, and uh, which wasn't meant to happen, obviously. And it took the ladder from underneath me. I kind of somersaulted on my back. I was about four metres up. I landed on the ladder, and I kind of... Broke five ribs, double fractured one of them, got three spinal fractures, I've got a crushed uh, collarbone and a bruised lung. So, yeah, look, you know, there's a lot worse people than me, but uh, luckily um, I haven't done anything serious and there's no surgery needed, so it can... um, hopefully heal as they are and heal as quick as possible. All right. Well, one man's serious is another man's trivial, I suppose. What's the what's the time frame, do you think, for for, for getting yourself roughly where you want to be? I don't know. They're telling me maybe five, six, eight weeks. I don't know. But I just said, oh, well, I'll narrow that down to four. So we'll, um, we'll aim for four and see how we go. Um, well, just no more, no more tree surgery, yeah, for the time being? <laughs> Well, yeah, like, I mean, look, I normally get the professionals in to do it anyway, but it was like, it was a small branch and I thought, well, I can handle that. It'd be just a two-second job. And uh, it obviously came back to bite me in the ass. So, you know, but there you go. We're, we're At least uh, we're not as bad as other people. So, 
you know, we, we our thoughts, our thoughts and our prayers are more for Graham Lee than anything else. So uh, we pray that he comes uh, comes through uh, strong and back to full health. Well said. Um, your your unfortunate couple of days has not uh, dented your um, your sense of humour, nor has it dented your your ability to. Um, tell everybody what's wrong with the game. What's right with the game for you is that is that Paul Struthers is back as as chief executive of the PJA. Right. What what should be his first priorities? Do you think? Um, look, I don't know, Nick. And firstly, like I I don't go out there to tell everybody what's wrong with the game. I do point out things that need addressing, and that's obviously in my own personal opinion. And if that's how I feel, and obviously uh, Twitter is a platform for that, so. You know, if you wanna if you wanna voice your opinion, why 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 not? That's it's that's what it's there for and I suppose a lot of things politically get brushed under the carpet or, you know, put to the back of the queue and, and some things are addressed if it was in the benefit of certain people. But um no, listen, you know, I don't go around trying to stir or um you know, start anything. It's it's justified whatever I whatever I talk about. All right. So so T- tell me then, what should be the first the first matter that that, that Paul addresses? Do you think? Well, look. To be fair, Nick, um, I think it's it's the best appointment we've had. Some people will say, "Oh, well, you know, you don't want to go back to previous problems and all that." But look, the previous problems they weren't they weren't. He didn't bring it on the PGA, or it wasn't brought on itself. It was it was a silly little. Thing, well, probably a little bit more than a little thing, but anyway, it was stirred up a bit more than it should have been. That's the problem. And um, Paul did the right thing. He stepped back and uh, he's given himself a long time to kind of reset and get over it and, and decide what he was going to do. He's clearly got unfinished business and he's passionate about representing jockeys. And that's why he's back. And, you know, I'd met Paul quite a few times and had coffee with him when he was, you know, consulting with the PGA on on certain number of things, and you know, those those conversations just taught him. You know, I just thought to myself, well, you know, he he he's the man. He's got to be back. He, he he's he's still passionate about representing us, and you know, I think it's most important that we got him back because he knows the law of the land. He knows exactly what we want. He knows exactly how we think. So it's a very easy integration for him to come back into the fold. All right. So, so top of the list then. Do do we think Saunas will come back? Uh, it's something that uh, certain people are digging their heels in about um, whether that's the BHA board or certain persons on the BHA board who I would say are probably have a bit of a conflict of interest when it comes to race courses and saunas. Um, that's something you can do some homework on there now, Nick. Um, but look, you know, the, the 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 figures that I've heard coming out saying to put so on. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't want you. I'm, I know you can't name names, and I certainly don't want to get the wrong. I don't want, I don't want to get the wrong side of the libel lawyers here. But I'm, I'm, I'm inferring from that that if people are. Um, in uh, you know, invested in the business of making racecourses profitable, and they also happen to be sitting um, in board positions within uh, within the corridors of power in in horse racing. That they may it may not be in their financial interest to to uh, to lobby for saunas to be introduced to race to racecourses. I think that I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, well, 
you know, what, what you tell me, what would you think of that? Well, I mean, listen. Without knowing the personnel involved and the race courses involved, I'm I'm not going to comment. But um, but yeah, I, I yeah, go on. Um. So yeah, look, you know, I think the first thing, and what's been happening, um, for a while is that we've we've the PGA has been reformed. It's gone through a very difficult period. There was obviously ping, fingers pointed at certain people. Dale Gibson's taken a lot of flack and. To a certain extent, I suppose it's it's been justified, but to a lot, um, he's taken on a lot more than what he was supposed to be doing, and he probably wasn't able to cope with it, and he was probably too proud to step forward and admit that. But he obviously kept the ship just about afloat, and um, now we've kind of reformed and had more jockeys put on the advisory board and on the board and appointed a new CEO and we've got new chairman Nick Athenborough who I might add is has been pretty amazing since he's uh, come in like he's he's been so he probably gives the PJA the more kind of conservative quiet um diplomatic side of things but don't underestimate that um you know he, he what he does behind the scenes. He's he's very strong-minded, but he's he's got a very good way of doing it. So that's someone that we need, and that's someone we've got. And now we've got Paul back, and he's a very clever guy, and he knows exactly him. Dale will go back to his director of racing role, which I think he's pretty good at. So I think all in all, going forward, I think the PJ is in a very good position. Now, Nick, you say. What's the first protocol? There's a lot going on with regards to saunas, prize money, facilities at race courses, which they still have to lay up and have done by next year. There's a lot lagging behind. So um, we're doing our bit, but uh, there's a lot on the other side need to be doing theirs. Okay. Um, when you say the other side, you you sort of you're you're putting it as a uh, pitching this as a sort of adversarial. Um, uh, situation sort of PJA you know very much as a campaigning organization against the sort of big body of uh, of re- uh, body politic of racing is that the way you see it you don't see Paul Struthers's role as having to get inside the tent to to, to influence you know by 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 collaboration it has nothing to do about campaigning Nick this is not a fight it's not a war it's um trying to get everybody on the same page to collaboratively collaboratively work together for racing as a whole which hasn't been happening for the last geez 25 years since i've been riding and and years before that too so this is the aim it's not to start a war it's not Mm. to blame him or they us whoever we have to try and work together we have to be they just ha- they just happen to be a lot of inflammatory issues here, aren't they? I mean, we t- we touched on the sauna, the whip. We obviously we you and I have spoken about the whip till we're blue in the face. Um, we've talked about uh, one meeting a day. They're all very emotive, inflammatory issues that somehow have got to be picked through. I mean, do you see do you see any any um, reverse reverse ferreting from from the BHA on any of those? Well, I'm not sure you get a reverse, but. Um there's always uh, there's always some sort of middle ground, and 
Look, Nick, in every way, in every way of life, every walk of life, every business, every organisation, there's always room for negotiation. So, um, as long as we can negotiate together and try and come to some sort of middle ground where both parties are kind of happy rather than saying agreeing to everything in a meeting and then going back and doing something different and then something's changed and then we're told that oh yeah yeah but you agree to this you agree to that well hang on a minute no we didn't and that's the problem you know it's it's uh, just a mix of a lot of things that just need to be sorted out and uh you know, we've got to, you've got to meet somewhere in the middle. And like I say, you've got to negotiate, and everything is up for negotiation. But, you know, you've got to play both sides of the fence, which is, uh, seems to be hard to do at the moment. All right. Well, listen, I almost feel guilty that I've, I've managed to keep a man with however many broken ribs and crushed vertebrae two days ago on the phone for this long. But it's always, um, it's always a thought-provoking uh, to, to talk to you, Neil, and I appreciate your time. No worries, Nick. And don't be afraid to uh, get your thoughts out there, Nick, in future. <laughs> Good man. All right, Neil Callan there. He's done a lot of damage to himself. Just a reminder, five ribs, three spinal fractures, crushed collarbone, bruised lung. Nothing wrong with his larynx, I don't think, Dave. No, the the voice box seems to be in perfect working order. Um yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't wish to trivialise that. It sounds like a, I, I was at Kempton Park last night where um, Neil Callum missed his rides and, you know, the rumour was going around that that he'd, he'd had an accident whilst cutting down a tree or something. Um, and it's a it's a serious business. Most of us would think that's the that's by far the, the worst injury that we've suffered uh, during our time, and and he he brushed it off. Obviously, he's right to contextualise it as we all think of uh, Graham Lee at the moment. Um, with regard to the the return of of Paul Struthers, I'm going to be really interested to see how this unfolds, and I don't really want to make a prediction as to how I think it will. Paul Struthers has uh, expressed himself on social media with regard to. Um, the the revised whip rules and uh, the removal of saunas. He, he called the um, the bans ridiculously disproportionate. He's clearly going to have to be a bit more uh, diplomatic, isn't he, back in this role? Um, I think that the combination of him and Nick Attenborough, and they will be seen something of a of a uh, a complementary team, won't they? In that. Uh, that that Struthers will be seen as as more of a street fighter, and that uh, Nick Attenborough perceived as the as the sort of you know the the elder statesman, the diplomat. So I think that that'll it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. What what is clear is that his return has been welcomed by many of the senior jockeys. You know the the the, the Racing Post quotes Brian Hughes and also, of course, uh, Ryan Moore, who isn't someone who uh, normally comments on things uh, like that. But he said, I was disappointed when he left and I know the weighing room will be as pleased as me that he's back where he belongs. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this unfolds. As I say, I, I, my own personal view is that I don't think the PGA were um, as as uh, as incompetent as, as they were painted in uh, many corners. Struthers, of course, was at the BHA before he went 
uh, to the Professional Jockeys Association. Um, he left in 2011. Uh, I, I think his return is a good thing, and I'll be fascinated to see how this unfolds. Well, listen, you'd you'd have to have a heart of stone if you were if you were watching John Bon on Sunday and didn't spare a thought for Aidan Coleman, who had to sit and watch it at home, uh, like like the rest of us. Um, but I I did a want to know what he thought of it, and b how how you're getting on. First of all, maybe maybe we'll start with the latter because it's more important. How's that nasty injury recovering? Are you are you getting there? Yeah, yeah, it's like been a been a long road, Nick. But um, you know, we're getting there. I got on the horse the other day for the first time, and hoping to do it again tomorrow. So it's uh, yeah, it's getting there. I had my second up just about ten days ago, just to tidy up a few bits. So it was uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it hasn't been easy now the last few months. But uh, hopefully, we're we're uh, a lot closer to a return than we were. Um, you know, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever. Um, so first sit on a horse uh, since the since the accident today. Um, is that? I mean, forgive me because I'm I'm sure you've had longish periods out before. But it, would that be one of the longer periods between times you've actually sat on a horse? Oh yeah, yeah. This, so it's five over five months now. So um, I think the longest I've been out was three months with a shoulder injury before this, and then before that would have been just a few weeks here and there. I was very fortunate for my shoulder that I did a few collarbones and a, and a, you know a couple of other smaller injuries that were only uh, weeks, not months out. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So for someone who was very fortunate in their career with injuries up until the last few years, I've kind of uh, kind of racking them up a bit now, unfortunately, but. You know, that's the the life of a, a jump jockey, as they say. And did you did you feel all right? Did the knee feel all right? Did it did it feel okay being back? It, 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 yeah, no, it was it was fine. It was grand. It's just obviously there's a lot a lot going on um, because it wasn't just you know a bone break or anything like that. I did all the ligaments and um, I did as my surgeon said. I did a full house. I couldn't have done it any worse if you if you really tried. It was literally everything was broken. So there's lots of kind of mechanics to get moving and to get working again and you know there's various different braces I have to wear and all that throughout the last few months but yeah so it's it's not it's not going to be uh, it's going to take a bit of time but um, hopefully hopefully now that I've got on a horse that it will start progressing a bit faster now Alright so how have you kept your mind ticking over in the right way? Uh, like I suppose I, uh, it was so uh, but the first couple of months were torture because obviously you know, I was a long time in hospital and I was various different painkillers and antibiotics because of infections that weren't agreeing. And then, so as once I got over the first couple of months, I thought, well, when I was out and about a bit more, it was kind of all, because um, the first couple of months or definitely six weeks were so hard. After that, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of nice to be out and about. So I'd be, Monday to Friday was uh, gym, our physio gym uh, every other, every day, basically. And then the weekends, I'd always kind of do something when I go to Ireland or, do something and then and then Monday to Friday back to reality of rehab again. Uh, and of course, if you, you you watch yesterday, I'm guessing that is spurring you on towards getting on your beloved John Bon again because you you have been his his staunchest fan as well as his jockey over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was it was it wasn't a, like look. I'm old enough. I've been around now, and I've just kind of seen a few things. But you know, probably Burdett Road would have been my ride on Saturday, then John Bond, and then a Brico Lord, then in an hour on Sunday. So I would have, I would have a deposit for the house if I if I was riding last weekend. But um, you know, these things. This is that's the way it goes, and um, it was. Uh, um, 
Yeah, it's not easy, is it? But as I say, I'm old enough now and experienced enough that, you know, that's just sometimes sometimes you're ahead and sometimes you're behind and that's just the way it goes. Um, but John Bond was, look, you know, it was no surprise, you know, he was, you, you know, that's that's what he was, in my head, that's what he was going to do. I wouldn't have been, I'd have been disappointed with anything less, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was great to see. But for me, I, I didn't learn anything in particular. Everyone else seems to kind of think it's a revelation, but uh, I would have been disappointed if I didn't see that. <laughs> you're, I said yesterday, you're you're very bristly about him because you've been his number one fan right from the right from the word go. But I mean, he's he's just a complete athlete, isn't he? I was saying yesterday on the podcast, couldn't you just kind of run him at any trip you wanted? Really, isn't kind of trip secondary to class? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I suppose every interview I've done, I'm sorry to be so I'm going back over like a broken record. I, like, um, everything I've said has been true. Um, it's just all coming to life, and then people are gradually coming on the same him sheet as me. Um, yeah, like yeah, he, he he would be probably effective over any trip. But I've always said, even like after entry, uh, an aggressive ride over two miles is probably, and even on better ground, is would be would be what I would probably think he's you know optimum would be. Um, so yeah, I think we learned that from you know the article. I think last year in the, the year four sorry in the supreme novice but we went at it a bit hard trying to beat with with start dynamo trying to beat um constitution hill which was you know nearly an impossible task as we now know as well and then following that in this year's article i was a little bit more conservative because obviously it was like round two you had um die start dynamo again and i was kind of anxious not to uh let history repeat itself and what happened in the the, the last the year before supreme novice which was wrong, which was wrong. So it was too conservative on him. And then after that, we rode him quite aggressive at uh, Aintree and he loved that. And, and um, he won at Sandown as well. So yeah, he's 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 definitely um, he's definitely doing the business. Um, when realistically do you think you're going to be back riding in a race? Yeah, well, the the aim always, well, not always at the start. I was kind of whether I'd ever come back at all was 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 was, was probably a, a very realistic option. And then it was maybe six to nine months, and now I'm hoping I'm hoping the first week of December I can get back. So that's, that's that's been the aim for the last that's a realistic aim for the last month or so. And after I had my you know my second operation last week or, uh, to clean a few bits up, you know, it's, it's I'm on track for that, and and, and that's the plan. Uh, the riding out needs to keep progressing, so hof- hopefully that's that's where I want to be. Um, and yeah, as I said, it still needs to keep things still need to you know keep going the right way for me i'm not there yet but um nearly all right so i'm not i don't even want to say the words tingle creek because i don't want to put the mockers on you but anyway we'll just leave it should we just leave it hanging in the air like that shall we i'd love to be back for the new put it that way <laughs> well and the week before obviously as well you'd want to be back a week before a race like that really if, if, if it's you know if, if, but you know not a lot we can do now you know no you know i'm throwing everything i can into it and uh yeah, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully time's on my side. If not, then, you know, it's been a, it's been a challenging six months, so we'll just uh, we'll take that and go again. Well, you sound admirably chipper in the circumstances. Um, I hope you're back in time, and uh, thanks so much for chatting to me. Cheers, Aidan. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. All right, Aidan Coleman, another man smiling through the pain, um, and it looks as though he's not too far away, Dave. Yeah, that's right. Start of uh, December, you mentioned Tingle Creek, and and when he said that, that was the the race that um, made all of our ears prick up. 
Um, he clearly wants to get back on John Bond. He mentioned that uh, the the November meeting at Cheltenham was a pretty testing one for him to sit at home and watch. Um, one horse he won't be able to ride uh, this season is Iroko of um, J.P. McManus's. After that um, chasing debut at Warwick, he's got a foot problem and is out for the season. But uh, yeah, it, it, um, it's still five months off, isn't it? Suffered the injury in June. But uh, he's getting back, like most of them, quicker than uh, the doctors predicted. But certainly, that's a, the Tingle Creek would be the uh, the the date that he's aiming for, and uh, as he said, to return to action a week before, so that he's ready for Sandown. All right, then continuing our build up to some of the breeding stock going through the ring this autumn and the Tattersall Scepter Sessions. Uh, we've got six individual Group or Grade One winners being sold, one of whom. Uh, acquired her win at the top level very recently and that was Poptronic she's lot 1784 she was the winner of the Kipco Phillies and Mares on Champions Day she's also accompanied by her half-sister Botron lot 2130 both horses owned and bred by David and Yvonne Blunt Uh, David's with me now Um, David this was a, a glorious glorious conclusion to this chapter of Poptronic's career was it always the plan to to put her put her through the ring uh, after this. Well, we didn't realise she was going to be as good as she she is. Obviously, so the intention was probably to see whether we could breed from her. Uh, but uh, you know, she's as she's done so uh, terrifically well. We've decided that the best option for her and for us is to put her through the ring at Tattersalls. Uh, it's interesting that you say the best option for her and for us. I presume. You know, clearly, if she makes a lot of money, that is going to enable you to carry on doing what you love to do in perpetuity. But the idea that it's better for her, is that because you feel that other people will be better resourced to give her the the career and the stallions that she deserves? 100% right, Nick. I think uh, she probably needs a a good cover, you know, and uh, as a small breed of the cost of these uh, stallions is uh, not prohibitive, but uh, certainly... Uh, not the risk that we would particularly wish to take. And for you as as breeders, getting a a mare particularly, homebred mare, in your colours you still have, two group one level. Just explain how that feels in the context of all else you've achieved in this game. Well, well, how do you explain cloud nine? Because we're still on cloud nine at the moment, really. Uh, you know, it's difficult to put into words. We realised when we went into breeding that the chances of getting winners was pretty remote, never mind getting winners at the level that uh, Poptronic's taken us. So it's been an unbelievable experience for us, really. And, and what does the, the future hold for you and Yvonne and, and what you want to do as regards breeding horses? Well, we still want to do it. We've still, uh, we still got a mother. And we're going to breed from her. We've got a, a couple of other mares that we, we have. And uh, we shall continue going as we're doing because we love doing what we're doing. And although it needs to be commercially sensible for us, we uh, love what we're doing and we, we'll continue. Now, you are also selling her, her half-sister. Is that a more difficult decision in a sense? Um, I can see where the question is coming from. I'm not... Uh, we're not committed to selling, although we intend to try and sell. It depends on the, uh, what people's aspirations are for her, I suppose, and the value that they put on her. 
Uh, but it is quite a difficult decision for us, and uh, one that we, you know, we get out of bed one one morning and it's one way, and the out of the bed of the other, it's another decision. Uh, but the intention is that we're we're going to sell her really, and uh, uh, that that's our intention at this point in time. And David, obviously, the horses have done extremely well on the track. Um, when when did you feel that that actually producing them yourself was the was the right call? That that's what you wanted to do. Well, we started buying horses uh, through BBA Island in about 2007, eight, something of that nature. And it just sent to natural progression. We wanted to keep them at my son's farm. So we kept them as yearlings and, uh, uh, and loved doing that as well. But recognising it's a very time consuming and they have now got uh, uh, children that uh, the horses we felt were too dangerous to be around, uh, you know, small children, really. So the rest is history? The rest is a little bit of history. And uh, so, again, you know, we love the, we love racing. We love doing what we're doing with the breeding side of it. We love running horses, never mind whether they're prop tonic standard or not. Uh, we still love to go to the races and support them. Well, fingers crossed there's plenty more Poptronics to come because the sport uh, needs uh, people like you and Yvonne. You are, you are the lifeblood. Thanks so much and all the very best at, at Tattersalls. I hope you get a right result. Thank you, Nick. Thanks very much indeed for thinking of us as well. We really appreciate it. Well, from one man whose passion for breeding thoroughbred racehorses has reaped rich rewards to another as we head around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, we check in to Normandy and most specifically to Normandy Breeding the brainchild of Guillaume and Camille Vitz. Uh, Guillaume has spent the last 30 years gaining experience domestically and internationally, some of the world's most reputable studs. You heard quite a bit from Salian Grasset yesterday about Arada Colvi, where he was 11 years managing that, and he's now joined forces with wife Camille to create Normandy Breeding, which is a full-scale breeding operation offering seasonal and year-round boarding, as well as sales prep for domestic and European sales. And he's just had a massive result and that massive result came in the shape of unquestionable the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, Guillaume bought the Colts down for 52,000 guineas at Tats in December 2019. Guillaume, it seems like a good place to start, to be honest with you. And you can just tell me how that Breeders' Cup moment felt. Well, to, to, uh, to us, uh, Nick, the Breeders' Cup is just everything. You know, uh, like uh, when I was a young guy, 25 years old, I was working in America. And the uh, Breeders' Cup was like everything, you know, so um, just we, we had the chance to go there, but three years ago we go at Etico, and unfortunately things, did, things didn't go the way we like it. But uh, going there as the breeder, trained by uh, Aidan O'Brien with Al-Shakab and Kulmore, was just amazing for us, and winning is just, there's, uh, there's no word to describe, describe that, you know, it's uh, to meet the, the, top, the top of the hill. So tell me a little bit about how Unquestionable came into the world and how it all how it all came together, how you pulled all those strands together. Well, the strands together, it's, it's easy, you know. We, we started uh, with pretty, uh, with pretty uh, small, uh, small wallet, you know. So um, a guy called uh, Nicolas de Chambure, so you might probably know, one day told me at the sale, he said, you should buy some good mares, you know. If you don't buy good mares, you won't go anywhere. And he was right, so we called the bank, you know, and the bank uh, nicely... Uh, offered us the opportunity to, uh, to be on the mayor, so uh, we went to, to Tatsol and um, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, amount of money, but we couldn't find anything. So on the Monday, everything was pretty difficult to get. And uh, we were lucky in the first few mayors on Tuesday to, to find strawberry lace and for to know 
Night of Thunder. So uh, that was a pretty, pretty, uh, very happy to get a good see the star mayor. And uh, when she fell that lovely filly, we uh, we had the the idea to go to Wooten Bassett, and uh, and that was the best alliance with uh, Sayuni in France at this time, you know. And uh, and actually, uh, everything went the way you you like it to go, you know, perfectly well. And that was amazing. That was amazing. We had a good full share with uh, with Nicolas Chambure, and uh, and then that's the story, you know. Both came out nice, lovely looking individual, and like I said, you know, never had any trouble, you know. When you walk in the field, sometimes there's some horses you don't even see them. So, because everything is going so f- smoothly and nicely, no, it's a kind of a no problem horse. So, what was it that ignited your passion for this business in the first place, Guillaume? Well, my dad used to run a, a, a stud farm called Arad La Verie when I was born in 1973 in Normandy. And then after that, he was a manager of Arad du Borussel for the Countess Margit Batiani. And that was the time of Gale, Gabina, Galeto and stuff like this. So when you're born uh, into the breeding, uh, into the breeding business, you have to go into the breeding business. You know, that's uh, that's my life and that's all I know anyway. So uh, I was useless at school, you know. All I knew to do is the breeding horses. So uh, we like it and we love it. Well, you're pretty good at breeding horses as well. And you're being quite modest as well, because before Unquestionable came along, you had decent success with, with limited resources. Yeah, you mentioned Go Atletico, Axe Diwali, Toymi Sun, Around Midnight. Uh, most of them are out of out of fairly inexpensively bought mares. If you have a secret, if you have a trick, if you have a gift, what is it? <laughs> well, I don't have no secrets. You know, it's just uh, like everybody does. You know, it's just work, work, and work, and uh, get up early in the morning, do what you do, got to do, and uh, no, no, no place for the um, for 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 hopes and stuff like this. You know, it's, it's no. Um, I don't know how to say the word in English, but. Uh, Everything has to be done the right way. If you don't do it the right way, of, of course, you, you go straight into the world. You know, we have very good lands at home. Lands are amazing. And uh, I think that helps a lot, you know, and, uh, and good feeling. And uh, I'm being very well helped by my wife as well, Camille. And uh, all this, you know, made. And uh, maybe we've been a bit lucky as well. You know, we got some good mares. And, uh, well, so far, so good. Hope uh, we carry on. That's the only thing, you know. Now, we, t- we spoke yesterday a little bit because I was talking to Sally Ann about, about Galloway. Um, who, of course, has a, a, a an influential um, a couple of horses at the moment. Uh, one of whose dam is going through the through the Tat Scepter sessions. Uh, and were were it not, am I right in thinking that were it not for you, Galloway would no longer have uh, the the requisite um, piece of his his, his uh, equipment to to produce any horses. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was an amazing story. That uh, that morning, you know, he's talking with my vet. Marc Fonsin, the same vet as the Vertheim, and we're talking about Solo, you know, and uh, that morning he said, uh, well, Solo could be a very good stallion. Unfortunately, he's uh, gelded. I said, well, Solo, I'm not into Solo. Me, uh, I said, the horse I would, I wait for the Vertheim, it's Galloway. And that, that's going to be the, the right horse. And he said, uh, Galloway, Galloway. And he was, he was a bit embarrassed. I said, what's, what's wrong with that? He said, well, I should not tell you that, but uh, at two o'clock he will be gelded. I said, what? That's not possible because... Pierre knows and we, we wanted the horse. So what do we do now? So I take care of it. So he, he called Pierre Yves and, uh, and Pierre called me back. I said, uh, are you reading to the horse? I said, yes, of course, Mr. Parrish really want the horse, you know? So we got him and that was the beginning of the story. You know? Very lucky there. Very, very lucky. So Pierre Brewer was about, on behalf of the Wertheimer brothers, to geld Galloway and you just you saved him from the cut with just an hour to spare. Yeah, well, it was uh, well, it was eleven thirty in the morning. It was meant to be gelded at two o'clock. Wow! 
That's but uh, that, that was but the, the the thing is that the particularity of that is uh, our vet, you know, was not meant to, to say that uh, to to us, you know, because it's uh, they, they 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 can't uh, they can't uh, talk about these things, you no. Know? But um, well, uh, he made an exception, and he knows, and I uh, was very disappointed, and uh, he found a way, you know, to talk to, to Pierre about it, and uh, and things went on. Uh, I'm very I'm very pleased uh, for Mr. Parent about it, you know, and now uh, they they cruising along with the horse and. Uh, He's got uh, the result he deserves, you know, and he was made for all these cannes d'argent you know, to get some good results. Now, this is... Yeah, I mean, amazing results, and we were, we were talking about them a bit yesterday. Tell me about this week. It's going to be a big week for you, isn't it? 11 lots in the in the sale? Yeah, uh, well, 11, we've got uh, three withdrawn, unfortunately, but uh, we're selling some good mares, you know, we're selling uh, two, uh, two, two, uh, two maiden mares out of training. Well, one is still in training, ex Daliva, you know. She's a black tie filly, a two-year-old. Uh, I have to ask Davali, Dal- Dal- you know, pretty, uh, plenty of Kodiak blood, Elibay, electricity, you know, so plenty of speed with all these uh, young stallions coming in, that's a pretty interesting uh, prospect, and we have uh, our mayor around midnight, we are, we are partnership and some of them want to sell, we, uh, well, I like to, to buy her, uh, to keep her, you know, but some of them want to sell, so we're selling her, and, uh, and then we'll see what's going to happen, you know, but uh, nice, nice looking mayor, very good, uh, very good family as well, so... Um, Hopefully we, we get some some good uh, good uh, good sales and we have lovely pinatubo fall as well and uh, pretty pretty much believe to that pinatubo coming along you know very good yearlings hopefully uh, they'll be cruising along next year that's another story we'll see well it sounds like you've got lots to look forward to uh, off the back of a fantastic success with unquestionable uh, Guillaume thanks so much for talking to me best of luck thank you very much Nick have a good day thank you very much okay thanks to all my guests today. Um, and David Yates is with me and has some advice for you. We're going to Chelmsford City, Nick, this evening and the eight o'clock race at the Essex Showground, Kentucky Kingdom, a horse who's won the track, I think, won over course and distance three times before, back to winning form at Lingfield last time and I hope can go in again here. It's the eight o'clock race at Chelmsford City. Selection is number three, Kentucky Kingdom. Terrific, Dave. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday the 21st of November. See you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.